Welcome everyone to this week's ICEJ weekly webinar. I'm David Parsons, uh, Vice President and Senior Spokesman for the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, coming to you from our headquarters here in Jerusalem. It's wonderful to have everyone who's joining in. We are uh, uh, welcoming people from East and West, North and South. I already see Denmark, Belgium, other countries uh, saying Shalom. We get, send you a warm Shalom from Jerusalem. And uh, we want to um, uh, just remind everyone if you need translation, right now we have from Eng the English into Chinese, French, Portuguese, Spanish, and Thai. So those languages are available. Praise the Lord. And uh, okay, we're talking today. Uh, today we're going to have a Bible teaching, uh, which I'll present on the blessing of Abraham. This is a, a very important um, uh, topic uh, that I think it has much more meaning than many realize. We're going to start out uh, in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 3 verses uh, 8 and 9. Well, I'll start with verse 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you for the word of God that is a light in our times, that we need it so much. And we thank you for everyone who's joined in here on this webinar, also joining us on Facebook Live or over on our YouTube channel. Uh, we ask you to bless them and open our understanding to your word in a deeper way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, uh, uh, Paul is citing here, uh, he's referring back to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, and particularly the one verse, I'll bless them that bless thee, curse him who curses you, and in you all the nations or all the families of the earth shall be blessed, Genesis 12, 3. And this particular passage from Genesis chapter 12 is a foundational passage for Christians who love and support Israel today. If you ask any Christian who, who loves Israel, cares for Israel, stands with Israel, you know, why do you do it? They're going to first, usually they'll cite Genesis 12, especially verse 3. I'll bless them that bless you, curse them and curse you, and, uh, and talk about their desire to be blessed. And then uh, very quickly, sometimes maybe too quickly, they'll jump over to some favorite verses in the Hebrew prophets about Israel's restoration in the last days. I, I have my own favorites, uh, Isaiah 54, uh, many others that uh, talk about God regathering the Jewish people back to their land last days, restoring them to their land, restoring their nation. And this is uh, part of why we support Israel today. But I think there were a little quick to jump from Genesis 12, 3 
to these other passages when Paul, especially when Paul says, look what God is saying back there in Genesis 12, it is the first preaching of the gospel. And, how, and why is this? And how, how, how can that be? And this is what we're going to address today. Uh, and look, we also um, take the word uh, bless or blessing. I think it appears five times in Genesis 1. Uh, through three, Genesis 12, one through three, it's either bless or blessing used several times. And we use it very loosely so that it's become somewhat watered down and it's lost much of its deeper meaning. Someone sneezes and we say, oh, bless you. And, and uh, or some little kid speaks up at the dinner table and says something cute. And you say, oh, bless you, child, bless you. And uh, what does the word blessing really mean we we have uh you know athletes that make a big play to win a game uh or get a big contract and they'll interview them and say oh it's just such a blessing to be part of the what you know what are they saying be part of this team to be part of this victory to to receive uh you know this uh, nice contract it's such a blessing and what are they meaning by this because it if it's the preaching of the gospel back in Genesis 12, 3, then maybe we don't fully understand what the word blessing means there. And oftentimes, Christians, well-meaning Christians who, who love Israel, they reduce this particular passage, verse 3 of, of chapter 12, to some sort of magic formula or like it's very a, a very simplistic mathematic equation that if if I bless Israel, I will get blessed. If I just give to Israel, there, there's going to be a lot of blessing and, and prosperity for me and and such. And, and sometimes that hasn't always sat right with me. It, uh, it seems a little too self-serving. And, and is my stand with Israel really for the right motives, for the right reasons? And so I just started having this conversation with the Lord many years ago, and I asked, you know, I wanted to find out in Scripture uh, exactly what is the blessing of Abraham, which God speaks about and speaks over the life of Abraham in Genesis 12, and how do we receive it? How do you and I get that blessing? What is it? And how do I receive it? And these are the two questions we're going to ask today. Is it some magical powder that's going to make me rich if I bless Israel, uh, stand with Israel, pray for Israel? Am I going to get uh, pro be prosperous all of a sudden? And do I get it by praying for Israel, by defending for Israel, standing with Israel, giving donations to Israel or visiting Israel, all the many ways we try to bless Israel. Is that how I get this blessing? And in my search of scripture, I found that the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 12 has a much higher meaning than many of us realize. Uh, of course, this passage, uh, as we turn back to it, Genesis 12, it is the origins of God's calling of Abraham and the, the uh, origins of the Abrahamic covenant. 
And it is this initial unveiling where God starts to unwrap um, the, uh, his redemptive purpose for the whole world. And, and in fact, we, we see Paul saying that in these verses, he says in Galatians 3, uh, 8 and 9, he says in these verses, we can find the first preaching of the gospel. So it's best before we, we cite Genesis 12, 3 and very quickly and jump on to other passages and whatever, it's best if we spend some time in this passage in Genesis 12 and really try to understand its fuller significance and meaning. And first, I'd note that uh, this passage in Hebrew, they call it, they call it lech lecha. And it means to get up and go, get up off your couch, get up off out of your chair and get up and start going and moving. And it's a, it's a spiritual act of obedience to something, you know, God has said. Uh, and it, and it, God says to him first, get up, Abraham, Abram at the time, get up out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now, he makes some other wonderful promises here. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I'm not sure if Abraham fully understood the magnitude, the incredible things that God was promising here. What does blessing mean? What do you mean you're going to bless me, multiply me? But that first uh, thing that he says, get up and go to a land that I will show you, that's something that most of us could, could sort of understand. Uh, but it, it says he first told him, get up to a land that I will show you. And it was because of Abraham's obedience and his faith. He had faith. I don't know what all this means, God, but I'm going to be obedient. I hear your voice. I'm going to move. And because of his faith, God accounted it, it to him as righteousness. And he became the father of faith. Even the Jewish people, Christians, even Muslims, when we engage in interfaith dialogue, they all say the common denominator between these faiths that uh, supposedly believe in the one true God uh, is, is Abraham, because he was the father of not only uh, Isaac, but Ishmael. So even Muslims, you know, look to Abraham as a figure of faith. I just don't always consider that they worship the God of the Bible, the same God that we do. But the world basically says that, that it's one of the three monotheistic faiths. Abraham is this common figure, and he's gone down in, in history as this man who we remember uh, as a, a man of great faith. And it was that initial act of getting up uh, and going to another land, a place God would show him that because of his obedience, God blessed him. And, and, uh, he, he, and once he got here, it was then that the Lord said, I'm going to give you this land. If he had promised him from the start, I'm going to give you this, come to a land 
that I'm going to give you or whatever he first said, I'm going to show it to you. And because Abraham exercised his faith, trusting God, God accounted it to him as righteousness and put Abraham uh, in this unique position, a unique relationship with him. Second, we want to delve a little deeper into what does bless or blessing really mean. In the Hebrew, it's uh, baruch, uh, bless, uh, uh, but it's, you know, used very broadly. And as I said at the start, very loosely sometimes, you can say baruchim uh, habayim. This is a, from Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes. And it's sort of another way of saying shalom or welcome in Hebrew, baruchim, uh, welcome to my house. Uh, you can say it uh, to welcome my house or shalom means welcome. It also means goodbye. But this baruch, uh, you know, it has different layers and levels of meaning. Uh, in general, um, besides welcome, it, it means to speak well of or to wish well. When, when David says, I will bless the Lord, he's saying, I'm only going to speak good and well about the Lord God Almighty. I'm going to speak nothing but good and blessing about him. And, uh, and when we bless someone else, we're just wishing them the best. You know, it's another way of saying the best. But blessing, Baruch, the word bless has a much higher meaning. And it is spelled out very clearly in the word of God. And so often we miss it. And I think this is uh, very important for us to really grasp this afternoon. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is talking about how uh, Abraham was justified by faith and not by works. If you earn your salvation, then you got something to boast about, and it defeats the grace of God. If we think that being obedient to the law or some sort of uh, works, uh, the, the, the definition of dead works, we're supposed to repent from dead works. It's works that you think add to your righteousness. Our righteousness is in Christ alone and by faith in him. But Romans 4, as Paul talks about Abraham being justified by faith and not by works, it says here, verse 3, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. We don't want to defeat the grace of God by saying we've earned our salvation. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Verse 6, just as David also describes, he describes or defines the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. So here Paul is saying King David, somewhere in his writings, he describes the blessedness that came upon Abraham by faith that made him righteous in God's eyes. And then he quotes from Psalm chapter 32, 
saying, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. This is Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, quoting from the book of Psalms, chapter 32, the first two verses. So the blessing that came upon Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, was actually a blood covering over his sins. This came upon him by faith, and it was his hope in looking forward to the sacrifice of the Messiah to come that caused that to come upon him. Abraham is the father of faith. He's the father of messianic faith. He is the, uh, the absolute at the root of the olive tree that Paul talks about in Romans 11. It is a tree of messianic hope that everyone before the cross, whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samuel, uh, Daniel, all our heroes from the Old Testament, they all are saved because they look forward to that sacrifice of the Messiah on the cross. And even Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. So, you know, you and I, looking back, we are saved because we look back on the cross by faith as an event that we say, this is where my salvation comes from. They were all saved looking forward to it. And this was all made possible by the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, that atoning sacrifice on the cross. It, it actually project backward and provided a blood covering for Abraham over his sins. And once that covering was there, God could bless and multiply and increase Abraham in so many ways until he became quite wealthy. I think it's important to point out here that the blessing that comes to us is, is you're going to have all that you or I need, not to make us so wealthy that we forget about God, but he gives us all that we're going to need to accomplish his purpose in our lives. This is the blessing that God really speaks of in the Bible in supplying all our needs. And Abraham became quite wealthy. He was in need of it for various reasons, but he, he had so many sheep and cattle that he and Lot had to sort of divide the land. You go down in the, there in the valley, you choose that, I'll stay up here. And everywhere he went, he had so many sheep and cattle, it caused troubles with, with some of the, the locals. And he was always dealing not with some little shepherd. He always had to go deal with the king because he was so wealthy himself. And this, according to Paul, is the first preaching of the gospel, that the righteousness which comes by faith covers your sins. It's a blood covering over your sins that was there over Abraham and his descendants. And God promised from the start that he would offer this 
to all the families of the earth. Uh, you know, we have these uh, teachings and theology that in the Old Testament, God just chose Israel, and it was a particular choosing of a particular people, and it's called the scandal of particularity, that why, if God loves the whole world, why did he just choose Israel? So somehow, you know, the, the Old Testament, it just seems to have it wrong, and it's only with the New Testament do we understand that God loves all people, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he loves everyone, when, in fact, God does not hide the ball all the way back there in Genesis 12. He says, Abraham, I'm asking you to come out of your land. You're a, you're a Gentile. I'm asking you by faith to come out of your land to a land I'm going to show to you. I'm going to give it to you, in fact, to make you a nation, to multiply you, to bless you, to put this covering over you for the purpose that through you and your seed, I will bless all the families of the earth. God's love, care, concern for the whole world, for all of humanity was expressed here all the way back in Genesis 12. So God is not hiding his purpose to somehow reach the whole world in the choosing of Abraham. Both the, the land of Israel and the people of Israel were chosen by God for world redemption and not just for the Jewish people. And this is something that is set out clearly in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, and not just the New Testament. And this promise, to, it basically, when it says, I'm going to save through you and your seed, I will bless all the families of the earth, uh, Paul says that, that this seed is a reference to the Redeemer to come, to Jesus, a clear reference here in Galatians 6. So God promised that to Abraham that through you, the Redeemer to come uh, would, would issue forth from you who would provide uh, redemption for the whole world. That was God's salvation plan from the start. And this blessing that God spoke over Abraham, this blood covering over his sin, it helped provide for him and help protect and shield Abraham and his descendants as they became, uh, uh, went from a clan to a tribe to a nation that would bless all the families of the earth, that as Israel journeyed down through time, this covering was over them to help them carry out this redemptive mission. Now, ultimately, God carried it out on the cross. He used Israel's belief and their unbelief in equal measure to keep his promise to Abraham to bless, to provide this blessing to all the families of the earth. But it's, it's uh, you know, there, there's a passage in Hebrews I think it's chapter uh, seven, where um, uh, Paul, uh, where the writer of he Hebrews is talking about Melchizedek and this high priest of God. And it says he came out, when, it's, it's talking about when he encountered back in the book of Genesis, 
after Abraham had returned from the battle with the, the five kings up in the north to bring Lot back, it says Abraham came out to him and blessed him, and they had bread and wine together, they had communion together. But it says in, he, in the book of Hebrews that Melchizedek came out to bless Abraham. Here's this word blessing again. Why? Because he had the promise. Or another translation says he carried the promise within. I mean, that's quite an amazing thought that at one point in the, in the earth, there was one man walking around within him and his loins. He carried the promise of world salvation. Him alone. God spoke it to him. And he needed to be protected, for this is a great eternal purpose of God. And this is why Melchizedek blessed him, because God deposited the promise within him of world redemption, and he was carrying it around. And as you uh, look at the life of Abraham and his immediate descendants, you see this promise affirmed in Genesis 18, 18. You, uh, this is when Abraham, um, when, when the Lord comes with the two angels, they, they know something really nasty is going on in Sodom Gomorrah, and the Lord says to the two angels, should I share with Abraham what I'm about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, because I've, uh, we, we know he's blessed, uh, and through him, God's going to bless all the nations of the earth. Should And so it's a passage where the Lord himself, in, in this pre-incarnate appearance, he, he affirms that blessing of Genesis 12, 1 through 3, once more over Abraham's life, the promise of world redemption. It's spoken again by the Lord in Genesis 22:18, and chapter 22, of course, is this passage where uh, uh, Abraham is told to go to the land of Moriah in Hebrew. Uh, it's the Torah portion called the binding of Isaac. Okay, and he's told to go offer Isaac in the land of Moriah as a sacrifice to the Lord. And because of his willingness, even to the point of holding the knife over his own son, uh, that the Lord stops him and provides a ram caught in a thicket to be the sacrifice. And the Lord says, because you've done this, Abraham, because you've shown such faith and obedience and humility before me, I surely will bless you. And through you and your seed, I will bless all the families of the earth. So it's affirmed again in Genesis 26, 4. This promise that Abraham carried around uh, was then passed on to Isaac. And it's affirmed there in chapter 26 of Genesis, uh, verse 4. There's a famine in the land. Isaac uh, is ready to go down to Egypt where the Nile provides water and you, you could be safe there and have food. But the Lord says, no, stay in the land for I've given it to you and your descendants. I promised it to Abraham and I promised a blessing over him and through him to bless all the families of the earth. That promise of world redemption is affirmed in Isaac. In chapter 28, verse 14, it is once more affirmed over Jacob's life. 
And this is the birthright of all the things that these descendants of Abraham could have uh, inherited, his sheep, his cattle, uh, his wealth, and all these things. It was that promise of blessing and that promise of world redemption and that blood covering over sin. This was the birthright that God was expecting them to appreciate. Melchizedek didn't come out to Abraham and bless him because he had a lot of sheep and cattle. No, he came out and blessed him because he carried the promise of your salvation and my salvation within him. And Isaac had to appreciate it, and Jacob had to appreciate it, and it was affirmed over both of their lives. And in fact, this followed Israel as she journeyed down through time to carry out that mission. And we see an unusual instance in the book of Numbers after the Exodus, when the Israelites are trying to come into the land, and they come in the area to the east of us in uh, Moab and Ammon and Edom, and uh, the king there, Balak, doesn't want him to pass through. And he goes and he, hire, he tries to hire Balaam, who has this prophetic flow. He, he, he even, we have to give him some credit, that he had uh, even messianic prophecies that uh, a, a star shall arise out of Jacob. He spoke of the Messiah, so he did have a prophetic flow, but he also had some bad motives. He, he actually wanted the money and the prestige that King Balak was offering to Balaam. And so he says, okay, you know, you want me to curse Israel. Balak says to Balaam, come, curse me, Israel. They're trying to go through my land to get over there. I don't want them. I want to defeat them. Come curse them for, curse them for me so it'll make it easier for me to defeat them in battle. And Balaam, he looks out over Israel and says, uh, looking out over the tents, and as you read this, uh, you see that he runs into this covering, this blessing, this hedge that was spoken over Abraham and his descendants for the purpose of them reaching their destiny of blessing the world and redeeming the world through Abraham's seed. Chapter 23 of Numbers in verses 7 and 8, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram from the mountains of the east, and said, come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There a people dwelling alone, not wrecking itself among the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob, or number one-fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like his. And Balak was very upset, but Balaam says, look, how can I curse that which God has blessed? He says, no, do it again. Here's some more money. Here's some more honors and titles. And Balaam really wants them. So he goes out and, and uh, positions himself over Israel, to curse once more, and we get another blessing, same chapter of 23 and Numbers, and in verses 18 through 24, you can go back and read it yourself, 
but it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will not do, or has he spoken and will not make it good? Behold, I've received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. God has blessed Israel, and I cannot reverse it. I can't get through it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor seen weak wickedness in Israel. Look, they had sins. But the Bible, David says, blessed is the man whose sins are covered, to whom God does not impute iniquity. Oh, there's such a, a blessing. There's no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It must be said of Jacob of Israel, oh, what God has done, look, a people rises. Oh, hallelujah. God is blessed, and no one can reverse it. Amen. What a hedge. What a protection. We see this again in Numbers chapter 24, uh, verse 9 in particular. It's another several verses here of uh, Balaam trying to curse Israel, but nothing but blessing comes out. Um, he says, verse 9, he bows down, talking of Jacob, of Israel. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. I tell you, this was written, this was spoken before the Bible was written. He didn't have the book of Genesis. Balaam didn't have this book. I don't know what he knew about what God had spoken over Abraham's life, but he has enough of an accurate prophetic utterance that he's actually quoting the words of God over Abraham. Blessed is the one who blesses you and cursed is the one who curses you. That's pretty amazing. So we see here in these passages where Balaam ran into that hedge, that shield of protection, that covering over Abraham and his descendants as they journeyed through time to carry out his promise of world redemption through them. And uh, even though Balaam wanted the money, wanted the honor, he could not curse them because of it. But it was only when Balaam counseled Balak on how to make Israel stumble through adultery and idolatry. You let your women go and sleep with the men of Israel and encourage them to worship your idols. Every woman, I guess in those days, these uh, pagan women, they had idols. And if you wanted to sleep with them, you had to worship their idol, a strange sort of situation. But this, this is what, what uh, Balaam uh, counseled Balak to do. And he says, I can't curse them because of that protection. But if you cause Israel to stumble, you will create a breach where they are not protected. And the hedge was breached temporarily, but it was when they caused Israel to come out from under that protection through idolatry. And, uh, and Israel eventually had to repent of this to get that covering back over them. So what is the blessing of Abraham that is spoken of? In Genesis 12, 3, I will bless you, Abraham, and through you, all the families of the earth are going to share in this blessing. 
it is a blood covering over our sins that allows God to then to bless us in so many other ways. If our sins are covered, oh, you are blessed. You, the blessings multiply, and God is able to provide you with everything and supply you with everything that you need to carry out his purpose in your life, his redemptive purpose in your life. And if that is the blessing of Abraham, a blood covering over your sin, how do I get it? How do I get it? We asked two questions at the start. What is the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 12? And what, how do you and I receive it? Is it by praying for Israel, giving donations to Israel, standing up for Israel? These are things that we all should do. But is that how I get this blessing, this ultimate higher meaning of Baruch or Baruchim in Genesis 12, 1 through 3? Is it by visiting Israel? All these things we should do. Here again, the Bible itself, we're going to let it speak plainly. This is not something that needs a lot of interpretation or digging into, you know, uh, mysteries or whatever. It is spelled out very plainly how we receive that blessing of Abraham. We go back to Galatians chapter 3. In, verse, uh, in uh, Galatians 3, we, we already saw where Paul talks about in verse 8 that the, uh, the gospel was first preached. This promise of a blood covering for all the families of the earth was first preached to Abraham back in Genesis 12. Then Paul talks about in verse 10 about what's known as the curse and the oath. And I don't want to really go too much into it, but it's really referring to something uh, that appears in Galatians chapter 2, where, P, where uh, um, Peter, Paul sees Peter, that uh, when there's only Gentiles around, and maybe him, he's eating with all the Gentiles, but as soon as some of the more observant Jewish brothers from Jerusalem or, or somewhere come, Paul's no longer, uh, Peter's no longer eating with, uh, with the Gentiles. He's got to keep clean and kosher, and Paul gives him a little mini-sermon. Uh, it's actually in quotes from uh, verse 14, almost uh, through the end of the chapter 21, a little sermon on why one day you can't be observant of the law of Moses, and another day you say, well, I'm going to leave it. Why? Because the law comes with an oath, and that oath says, if I break any of these laws, let all the curse of the law come upon me. Even if I just tell a little lie, bear false witness, breaking one of the Ten Commandments, then let, let the penalty for adultery or the penalty for murder or the penalty for idolatry, let all the curse of the law come upon me. And you find this in Leviticus, a whole chapter where, where Israel was told to pledge this. And, and you know, there, there's actually a danger for you and I. We need to, to uh, respect Jewish tradition, we need to respect the law, but also realize that the law comes with a curse. And there is a oath that if you can't just say, I'm going to observe Shabbat this week, 
and and uh, next week I'm not. You can't just come in and out of it as freely as you go. And it says here, for as many of the works of the law are under the curse, is worse. <laughs> Cursed is anyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law and the Son of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, okay? Verse 13, we're asking, how does the blessing of Abraham, that blood covering over sin, how does it come upon you and I? <clears throat> It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It's a little verse back uh, in, uh, um, in the law of Moses about cursed is someone who dies on a tree. I got a whole separate message on that. Very fascinating, but we'll leave it here for now. But he says, Christ died on the cross. He's redeemed us from the curse. That the blessing, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham, that blood covering over his sin, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 12? King David describes it, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. How do I get that blessing of Abraham? You get it at the foot of the cross. This is the plain, simple message of Scripture. I'm not, uh, I, I, we're just letting the, the Bible speak for itself here. Christ died on the cross, that the blessing spoken over Abraham, that blood covering over his sin might come upon me through Jesus and through his cross. And that is the highest and ultimate meaning of blessing and the only way for you and I to really receive that blood covering is through the sacrifice of Christ. And this is why Paul can say here in Galatians 3, that the gospel was first preached to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And because we have received eternal salvation through Jesus, and essentially through the Jewish people, Jesus himself says that he told the woman at the well, salvation is of the Jews that the whole concept and this whole promise of world redemption and all, it all came to us through, through the Jewish people. Paul lists in Romans 9 all the things that we have received through Israel. He says the law of God, the worship of God, the service of God, uh, the covenants of God, the glory, the adoption, all of these things came to us through the Jewish people. And ultimately, he says, even Christ in the flesh came to us through them. And because of all that we've received from them through Jesus on the cross, even them as a holy priestly nation, 
only ones who were able to offer that sacrifice sins for the whole world, offer Jesus as a sacrifice for the whole world, the Lamb of God, because of all this, we ought to be grateful to them and give back and bless them. It's not that I'm blessing Israel in order to get something more out of them. I've already received eternal salvation through the things they suffered and their long, hard journey down through time, through their belief and their unbelief, their, their favor from God, their, their correction by God, all the things they went through, it has all come to benefit me through the cross. And I bless them now not to squeeze something more out of them, but to show respect and gratitude for all that I have already received from them. And this is indeed the teaching of Paul in uh, Romans chapter 15. We should, uh, most of us should be familiar with this, where he's talking about uh, a certain, the people in Macedonia and Acacia, uh, I think uh, history shows that there had been an earthquake in this area. These people were really shaken and set back by this massive earthquake. And yet they still took up collections and sent them to Jerusalem. It says for uh, verse 26 of Romans 15, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. You and I have a debt, an obligation to Israel to bless them, to bless Abraham to bless this father of faith, this man who carried the promise of your salvation and my salvation within him and all his descendants as they carried it out, we have to respect them. We have to uh, pray for them. Yes, we have to help provide for them and, and do what we can to defend them and protect them. And we have to come visit them and get to know them and all, but we all do all of these things not to try and, and be self-serving and selfish ourselves to get something more and think some prosperity, uh, is, is magic prosperity is going to come over us. No, we've already received it through Christ on the cross and all the blessings and provision and sufficiency of God in Christ Jesus are mine. They're mine already. And I'm just giving back and blessing Israel for all that's received. And when we think about uh, eternal salvation, you and I will never be able to pay back all that we receive through Jesus and through Israel. But Paul says we should at least try. So yes, I affirm we should bless Israel. We should be praying for them. We should be standing with them. They, we should be defending them. They're still reviled in so many places by so many people. And, and it's a privilege to stand with them and, and speak truth about this people. 
and we should be visiting. We should be coming to the feast this fall. We should be doing all these things to bless them. And, and am I going to expect that things will go well with me because of it? Yes. If I bless Israel now, there will be blessing and blessing upon me. But understanding that that is all enabled by that blood covering that was first spoken over Abraham, that was then secured by Jesus on the cross and then made available to all the families of the earth. And that's how you and I at the foot of, cross, foot of the cross receive that blessing of Abraham and then can be blessed in all our ways and in all our walk by the Lord God. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. But it also doesn't mean that, you know, because you say a prayer for Israel or whatever, all of a sudden you're going to get filthy rich. We don't, we don't teach that. But we do think, believe things are going to go well with you. Things are going to go good. And you're going to be able to accomplish God's purposes in your life. And it is the right thing to do, the upright thing to do, to stand with Israel in this day, God has brought them back to this land to bless the world one more time, the entire world, by ushering us into that age of peace and righteousness in the earth that we call the millennium. The Jewish people call it the messianic age or the age of redemption. And, and Israel plays a critical central role in all this, and we should still be blessing them and helping them and even watching and praising God for continuing to protect and shield them like he did Abraham, like he did to Israel when Balaam came up against them. God is going to make sure this people reaches their destiny back in his arms, back here in the land, knowing who their promised Messiah is. And through that, they will usher the world into the messianic age blessing the world one more time through Abraham and his descendants. So that's our message today on the blessing of Abraham. I hope that it has widened, enlarged your understanding of the greatness of God, of the, the depth, but yet the simplicity of scripture. I, I looked at Genesis 12, one through three, and just yeah, I'm going to bless you and bless you. And I, I just thought, you know, it's like you you bless everyone. We say it all the time. Blessings. I love saying blessings from Jerusalem, the privilege of living here. You know, it's nice to do this. I believe it speaks something well and good out into your, your life. But this blessing of Abraham has a much higher meaning. It is ultimately our salvation. And as I search this out in Scripture, I found it's laying there in plain sight for us, and I hope it has blessed you today to understand the preaching of the gospel begins with Abraham and God's promise to bless him and through him bless all the families of the earth. That's you and me, wherever you're sitting now, all over the world. We bless you from Jerusalem in the name of the Lord.